1: Wait. Bring the ship to the side. I, I think there's survivors on that island. I, I see four people. How did you guys live? We ate a gorilla. Wait, you know that's like only two steps away from There people. were
2: originally
3: six of us. <laughs>
2: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, a podcast about gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together, this week live at our local Myriad Games on Staten Island. This is Anthony. This is Dan. This is Chris.
4: This is Kim. And
2: this is Mike. Welcome to the episode. This is a very special episode for two reasons. First off, we are at our local Myriad Games. This We are recording in the back at one of the tables. We have Mike here. Hello, everybody. Good friend Mike. And this is episode 20, so all sorts of goodness going on this week. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of games because we've gone to the two-week format now, so we have a lot of games we've played, so we want to go through as many of them as we can, including the hotness of hotnesses right now, Robinson Crusoe, which we finally got to the table, um, and a bunch of other stuff. Study in Emerald we played recently, um, got a couple others that came out, but um, it's going to be a big hot podcast, listen through it, no more holiday gifts to listen to us open, <laughs> but um, that is this week. All right. So first thing first, we have a few Kickstarter things we wanted to talk about, and one of them actually, um, we got a great email from the guy who's putting it together, Joey, and so we took a look, and it looks really awesome. Um, I know we look watched the videos. I know it's actually I think it just hit its funding, um, just the last couple of days, and it still has like three weeks left, and it's it's called Chaosmos, I think, is what we call it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the game looks really awesome. It's basically like a, it's almost like espionage style where you're going around planets, you're trying to find the ovoid. It's an artifact that'll save your planet when the rest of the universe is caving in on itself. And the game looks amazing. In the middle, there's like this countdown dial letting you know when it all just ends in a bang. And there'll be like items that can actually accelerate the time and decelerate. And basically, each planet has its own little custom envelope that when you go and you explore, your ship can only carry with so many things. So you're gonna choose what you're taking. You're gonna put the rest of the stuff back on the planet. But you can also like set traps. So when another player goes to that planet, there'll be something waiting for them. So it's trying to like outwit your opponent. You might bait them. Like you might intentionally leave the ovoid on a planet that has like some heavy duty traps, knowing that you'll come back to it later while you're trying to find other things to help get you through the game. I mean, the components look awesome. The alien races look really nice. One of the things that I love is that there's the Mimic race. That's one of the Kickstarter add-ons where it basically dupes what other players are, my favorite type of card. But, I mean, it looks really interesting. I'm already on for the backing in this game because it does look beyond awesome.
2: Yeah, and it's cool because it's... I mean, it's got all, you know a little bit of that abstract look that these sci-fi games have, but it has minis, too, which is awesome. So, they, you know, whoever did the art design in this did some really cool-looking alien races, so it's not your usual little green man. Um, yeah. So, it reminded me a little bit of a... Uh, Cosmic Encounter that way? Like, they just they took some time to make some cool looking races?
1: Now, you mentioned with Cosmic Encounter, uh, for playing Cosmic Encounter, and Chris, you might even want this for Attack Wing. One of the add on items is like a space playmat. Oh, great. Right? So it'll give you like, you know, that celestial feel and stuff like that for any sci fi style game. You can always use that as like an, an alternative terrain for like Star Trek, Attack Wing, you know, Star Wars, Attack Wing, any of those games. It's definitely a nice little add on.
2: Yeah, and there's an option for a fifth player too, like, I think at the second tier. Yeah. So I think it plays up to four normally. You can get the fifth player, which I guess will probably be an expansion in the future.
1: And if you have a local gaming store, definitely encourage them to get on this Kickstarter, because they'll be getting four copies for what would only be normally two, including a store demo. And that'll be a great game to show to other players.
2: Yeah, definitely. So if you dig sci-fi games, if you dig, you know, alien races and trying to... This is kind of a cool twist on that. It's not your usual trading or invasion and explosion type style yeah, or just trying game. to get
1: the best warship or whatever yeah
2: so check this one out and they have a lot of great stuff on the uh kickstarter page too tons of videos so you can see how it looks and how it plays
1: yeah so that's chaosmos it's c-h-a-o-s-m-o-s
2: and that's from mirror box games so those guys are out in la and uh that um uh, i think it has three weeks left so probably when this comes out we'll have about two weeks so you'll have plenty of time to check it out all right so there's a couple other cool kickstarters out there right now um one that I know everybody's talking about and we actually have been not arguing about it so much but trying to decide if it's worth backing is the Mega Man game. You've probably mm-hmm. seen it. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know how the gameplay is going to be. It's hard to tell from the Kickstarter but it has a ton of minis so that's why it <laughs> caught my attention. But then the price Yeah, like the minis look like nice and everything. How, but
3: how much is uh, the minimum backer level?
1: To I think it's get like a little game. high. It's not like a $50 game, right? It's really?
2: 60 or $70. Uh,
3: that's about... I mean, it's high, but that's about average for some games I've
0: paid.
1: No, like, let me ask because I know you're a little younger than us, Mike. Like, did you grow up playing Mega Man games, or...? Uh, not a lot. You never really, yeah, like... I, I played a few... You know, I like the X-Series really, I didn't was... have...
3: When I was younger, the game systems I had, I went from Nintendo, straight over to, uh, to the PlayStation. Yeah. So I sort of... of skipped over the Sega stuff. So I was never really big into Mega Man when I was younger.
1: Yeah. Now, Chris, you got to play that back in the day, right?
0: Yeah, I wasn't a big Mega Man fan, but I knew of it, and I did yeah. end up playing it a little bit later on in a lot of the Capcom versus Marvel games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, for, I don't know, for one reason or another, I didn't get really get into the, you nice. know, beat Cut Man in order to beat the next guy and so forth, but it was always a classic, iconic character in the Nintendo universe, and it was played pretty much everywhere. It's a pretty broad appeal to it.
1: because... I mean, I don't know, man. My theory is this: unless that board game makes you punch walls and scream at the top of your lungs in rage, <laughs> it's not going to capture what the old Mega Man games are. Because they were exercises in punishment. You had to die 75 times to know when that 30-second invisible brick will pop.
3: Well, that was every classic game from you know back then in the 80s. Yeah. It
1: was
2: just like,
3: oh, you're so hard. I hate you. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but Mega Man was like a whole other level. Like when they went to the X series, a little easier, but those first eight games were
3: yeah. Uh, I actually think the UN declared making someone play Mega Man to be a crime against humanity. I mean,
1: it was like (laughs) the first time where like there was like a wave of suicides amongst nine year olds. (laughs) Like that's how pain inducing it was. And for 1990, it was a dark time. It was, was and for as a board game.
3: Well, I'm I'm skeptical of it because it's a licensed product, and maybe because you know. Once burned, twice
2: hesitant, as the saying goes. When you yeah. see, it's hard to tell because the on look awesome. Yeah, they do. I mean, that's the thing. It's it might be one of those ones we wait on, but I know it's something that I'm oh, sure Brian's talking get about. It. Yeah, oh, exactly. Well, Brian, Brian's got it. We're good. already backed it. Yeah. So <laughs> I
1: mean, the minis look beautiful. Yeah, yeah, they are gorgeous.
0: Well, this is definitely going to be a, a must-have for collectors because even if the game's yeah. not great, you could always put the figures on a shelf.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would probably do that. Yeah. but uh, you know, Yeah, if you like
3: loved Mega Man as a kid, why are you not backing this game? No, I think if you're one of those... Because you don't have
2: 60 people. bucks to just throw in well, a couple of minis. <laughs> 70. 70. 70. Yeah, the early world was 60. So. But that's Mega Man. I don't know if any of us are going to back it, but it's something that's out there. If you love Mega Man, or if you love minis, maybe.
0: Definitely take a look at it, especially if it's something, something you played in the past. The only question is do games like this who try to bring non-gamers into the hobby once they play a game of this you know supposed hobby, hobby level if it doesn't work out if it doesn't play well like some of the other video game IPs do they just pull out of hobby gaming at all I mean could it be
2: bad for the industry yeah I mean if the game is bad I could see that but or there's how many licensed games are bad? There's a lot of them, so
1: yeah. it might even be like a board game, and, like uh, Madden for them, where it's like they got that board game and they play just that every so often. Like,
2: that's true. That's true. Like how many people do we know who do um, like War Machine and they play Horse or a, High Command?
1: Just Catan. I know some yeah. people that they have Catan. That's it. They don't care about getting other versions of it or other games. They just play Catan.
2: Yeah, and that's that's their Euro. That's the highest level they're going to go, which is great. It's fine, but you know yeah. the wonderful plethora of games currently behind us maybe would not interest them as much Mm.
3: but you know a lot of uh, video game companies I hear now are encouraging their designers to mess around with board game development to connect to that classic sort of design element to get to that base level
2: it's hot right now so if nothing else people are willing to put the licenses out there it looks like. like Capcom was like sure why not yeah they're, they're not making it someone no, else is yeah. making it so.
0: and that's a good sign too that outside big companies are starting to see value
2: in the yeah. hobby game market yeah so that's definitely something to check out if it's on, you know it's on your radar i'm sure we'll play it at some point i'm sure somebody we know here yeah brian's going get it we'll play yeah, it I and then we'll be fine yeah so we'll tell you how it is when it comes out and mm-hmm. i don't know when that's supposed to ship it's got minis so probably october or something but um if we're lucky yeah all right so i think those are like the two big kickstarters that are on our radar at least right now um In terms of other news, I know we got a lot going on lately. Um, After the holidays, we kind of kicked some of our local outreach into high gear, especially Chris. You've been all over this.
0: Sure. Um, Recently, part of Board Game Anonymous, we went out to the New Jersey Board Game Meetup, which is right over in Edison, New Jersey. But they actually spread out throughout the whole state of New Jersey. And I had an opportunity to meet a lot of those great gamers over there. And typically they play over in the Menlo Park Mall. But as we want to do for everybody, including the listeners out there, we really want you to come out to Myriad Games in Staten Island. It's a great place to play, a lot of tables, a lot of fun, and a great selection of games. So at this event, I got to meet Aldo, who was running the event, and Steven. And we got to play some great games. We played, um, first off, we played Coup, which I got to teach for some people. And that was a lot of fun. Um, We had actually 10 people playing that game. So it was great that I actually had the Kickstarter so we could play with a large group nice, of people nice. and that game was going exceptionally well and one of the one of the players there Richard actually had a great handle on it and he was moving the people along and which was funny was because, like every other game, you either have that personality for the game or you don't, so some people didn't want to lie or bluff at all, and they were like, so what do you have? Uh, I have the assassin. Okay, so that's what you're saying, you have it. No, I I have it, I wouldn't lie. I'm like. (laughs) (laughs) You lie
3: to me. I
1: I kill you for three credits?
0: (laughs) And especially uh, Ariel, who was really great. She 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 hosted a bunch of great games there, and she was just so sweet and so kind and considerate. But she didn't want to hurt anybody, and she didn't want to lie about anything. Um, but uh, she did love purple, which is always a great thing. So she was a purple fan. I also had an opportunity to get in a couple of games of Werewolf, and I was actually able to host one of the games. I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna be able to host this game, and and then the first round the seer was able to pick out the werewolf. <laughs> so took out the we're, first werewolf, and then I think it was um, Chris who was able to point, just randomly point out the second werewolf. And I'm like, well, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. So that was like literally the shortest game of werewolf I've ever played. Were
1: they doing the Team Reckless of just rolling dice, and that's who they were picking? No,
0: they actually nailed it. I, I couldn't believe it. I know every once in a while the seer gets lucky, and they're able to actually catch the person, but otherwise... Who knew that they would be able to pick out out of like eight different people who the person was? Then we played a second game where we played with Cupid, and we had the hunter and the tough guy. The special roles, are like, yeah. Yeah. So I never saw a tough guy before, but that was really I like, interesting. I like
1: the special roles in Werewolf. Does was were you, like... you playing the card one or the same one I have? Like the. It's the card one. Yeah. There's like 30 more roles in that one. Yeah. Sure.
0: And usually, for me, werewolf doesn't play well at all. It just seems completely random. But it was actually fun to, to get those extra rolls. It gave the game a lot of nice flavor to it. So once again, the werewolves had a hard time. They, 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 they went for the the tough guy and he was able to bounce that off.
1: Nice.
0: Um, Cupid did pick two people. And then the werewolf killed one of the one of the lovers and it's great and then and then and then unfortunately killed the other lover so
1: because you die of heartbreak <laughs> how great is that
0: <laughs> So horrible. Aldo, so aldo and steven were killed just because of the heartache of the you know the other one dying which was pretty sad um as we laugh can we start calling the cupid
1: person odwala from psg i
0: think you can <laughs> so i actually got to play in that game and actually somehow survived so it was me and nice. Cupid who survived the game, which was a lot of fun. And then we broke up into smaller groups, and one one table was playing the DC deck building game, and the other table was playing um, Betrayal in the House of the Hill.
1: Since you mentioned the DC deck builder? Yeah. Where is the expansion? <laughs> We've heard no, about no. this forever. Cryptozoic. I just it to me. Okay.
2: <laughs> Who's that, Upper Deck? Cryptozele. Oh, Upper deck Deck's legendary. Marvel. Yeah, yeah.
1: Just, come on, man. You're an actual
3: game company. Legendary made,
1: like, 11 expansions already. Just give me my DC Deck Builder <laughs> expansion. With another
3: man. one coming out next
1: month. Dude, they come out, like, faster than Magic cards now.
3: Yeah. Oh, man. Which I'm, I'm wait, They're supposed to be doing a Aliens version of Legendary. Yeah, we heard. And I'm dying to play that because Alien and Aliens are two of my favorite movies.
1: Kim is dying not to play that game.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just... I've seen what they... They've tried to do with remakes and the video game. When they make the Alien video game, that oh, was that
3: horrendous.
4: Was awful. That so was bad. Horrible. What
3: the, the Colonial Marines? Yeah. So bad. Yeah, it was. It's, it was it's just. I would say it was bad. It was mediocre. No, it I was bad. I thought it was, it was pretty mediocre. The
4: graphics were horrible.
1: But the thing is, I mean, like as far as the Maddox go, I think the the card game is going to be perfect. Like you know, to feel like the movie. Because you remember that part of the movie when one of the aliens was pummeling one of the Marines. And he's like, I drew a bad hand. I don't have any attack cards. I remember that scene. <laughs> so, I mean, it's going to really feel like you're in the movie when you're playing. You know? Game over, man. Game do. over. <laughs> I don't know, man. But based on when we play I think it's going to be like, please let this game be over, man. Please let this game be over. <laughs> well, you
3: know what? I, I like the, you know, I, I have it in my show notes because it's one of the games I played this week, Legendary. So, I don't want to jump ahead, but it's one of my favorite deck builders. I like I like the theme of it.
1: Because it works. Because it's superheroes. Yeah. It's not the Aliens movie. Uh, <laughs> but Legendary? So, you
3: know, last yeah. me, me and Earl, we played it last week, and I drew a hand of six wound cards. It's like, oh yeah, remember that time Wolverine just
1: couldn't do anything? <laughs> yeah, he when was he was just a skeleton, and he had to heal up. Give him a turn. <laughs> yeah. He's Wolverine. Yeah.
4: I can't get into Legendary, because uh, all the games I've seen people play, nobody wins. It's impossible.
3: <laughs> it's it's not
0: impossible.
3: It is
4: impossible. Well, no,
0: no. Chris has some strong. I mean, the game literally plays one or two ways. Either it's ridiculously easy Blow and you're done at half hour, or you just can't win no matter how good you do. You could cheat the entire game. You still don't win.
1: My favorite thing, hands down, though, is when you hear people playing and you like, and all you hear from the table is, yeah, awesome, whatever. Another person leaves. Great. Just come on. Next turn. Next turn. <laughs> a
3: sign of a great game. Yeah, it feels I will, like a hero. I will suggest out there, never... Never play Apocalypse with the Superhero Civil War.
1: Wait, really? You mean the, the end-of-the-world guy is, is hard to fight? He's, <laughs> with with the Superhero Civil War, not a good time.
0: So last thing uh, about Great Finds as far as the New Jersey Board Gamers group, I got to meet Tom, who is one of the, the writers and lead designers be- behind Secrets of the Lost Tomb, which was a recently funded Kickstarter game. Uh, it plays a lot like that Pulp Fiction Um, Indiana Jones kind of meets Betrayal on the House of the Hills so there's these ever-growing kind of tiles board kind of builds up.
1: Yeah, you showed me that thing. And it
0: has multiple scenarios to it. Um, I mean, it has everything from exploring to aliens to Cthulhu because you have to have Cthulhu and, you know. To code smash up the obligatory Cthulhu. Pretty much. Well, I heard in Kickstarter
1: that's in their 2014 agreement. You just have to have Cthulhu and (laughs) I think so,
0: yeah. Everything must involve Cthulhu. So we're hoping to have Tom on the podcast and talk about his game and hope hopefully be able to demo it here at Myriad Games in Staten Island and let you know when this game actually hits the stores so you can pick it up.
1: And it hit like over 100 grand, I think, too, right? Yeah. It was, a, nice. it, was a,
0: it was a nice Kickstarter for them, and it looks like a great game with a lot of possibilities for the future. Acquisition Disorder Corner.
2: All right, guys. So what are we looking for this month?
1: All right, man. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of fantasy lately, so I was thinking of going for like a little more of that steampunk feel. Hurt City of Iron is really good. I was thinking of getting
2: that. Uh, yeah, I think you bought that like three months ago.
1: Yeah, I did get Alright, well, what I was thinking is, suburbia' is really fun. I've been playing that all on the iPad. You got so that Subur-
4: also.
1: We did. Yeah, we just played the expansion like two weeks ago. Alright, well, Mythic Battles should be a good two-player game for me. I got that for you for Christmas. I don't think there's anything I want now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, What's we, going I, on? I
0: have all the games.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think Christmas was very good or very bad to us. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's good to us not so much from my bank
2: account I, I have a, a Mergo too right
3: yeah yeah, yeah good
2: alright right, so I'm covered we should have taken a picture of that stack next to you <laughs> like we could measure your height in games yeah actually <laughs>
4: next to him
2: I couldn't see him
4: <laughs> yeah. well, me and Dan actually piled all the games that we got on the dining room table But well, you gotta be careful really? with
2: Kim the cause big. they will kill It'll her look
3: like It'll our fall th- down extra light pile her. they're taller than me yeah, we'll be. You know, we're gonna have to call like a rescue crew that does, you know, the avalanche rescue. And by the time we find you, you'll have frozen to death. You
4: know, I'm still here, right? I'm still alive. <laughs> it could. Ha- it could happen. Why are you calling me dead? <laughs>
1: um, I'm just saying.
2: All right, so I think we're gonna skip acquisition disorder this week because we've acquired everything,
1: except for one thing that me and you arrive on.
2: Ah, that's
0: and
3: do want to check that out.
1: Mmm, bombs.
3: Because nothing is greater than a game that can be measured in mega deaths.
1: Yeah, well, I was figuring, you know, we had our Christmas cheer, and we spread joy, and yeah, you know, we have our New Year, so it's... now we go back to Games of Killing.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it is January. Yeah. Story. Nobody likes January.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, all that kid yeah. spirit stuff is out the door. It's, right? cold, I mean, it's, it's wet, wet, cold. It's wet. It's cold.
2: It's icy. Been,
3: it went from You're a mailman. To you hate January. And
1: you know what makes it nice and warm? Nuclear winter. Exactly. <laughs> so as a quick synopsis, though, so Manhattan Project is basically like a worker placement, And what sounds really cool is it's a game where you're trying to ramp towards that engine to start doing mass production, but you can send spies, use your opponent's buildings, you can actually, like, take out sensors by doing bomb attacks. Sounds kind of interesting, and, I mean, it sounds like a more aggressive worker placement than, like, what we're used to. Yeah, I want to check it out. I do like that idea.
2: All right, so we're going to cut it there for Acquisition Disorder. We're just going to jump right to what we have played, because we've actually started playing some of the games on our lists.
1: Huzzah!
2: Huzzah, (laughs) indeed. the table this week. All right, what did we play this week? Let's go first. You want
1: to take it off first?
0: Okay, well, I had a chance to play Back to to the Future, the card game. Now, Mike might be interested in this a little bit because it really is... It's Chrononauts with a reskin. Exactly. And And I
3: love Chrononauts, and I love Back to the Future, but I've heard that it's kind of...
0: Terrible?
3: (laughs) I've heard if you have chrononauts you don't really need it, and I have chrononauts with all the expansions already.
0: Okay. So So this part is going to be really boring for you, because (laughs) it's exactly what you said. (laughs) Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm still here. Alright, for the people who don't own it, Chris, how does it play? (laughs) So, you lay out a table of cards, and each card has a different event that follows in the past, and as a time traveler, you'll have the opportunity to go and change those events... And in this case, flip a card over, which could cascade over a number of other cards and change the events that happen in the future. You have a special condition that you want to happen based upon the character that you play in the game. So you're not playing the iconic characters of the movies, but you're kind of playing offspring, offsprings of them, um, people that are related to them. And you want certain things to happen. And if those things are accomplished, you go and try to destroy the time machine. To lock everything down, and you win the game.
1: Didn't you send me a text or something like you're like, uh, I Biff got Marty's mom pregnant after all, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was really horrifying because <laughs> there's that scene in the movie that's, where that's some
3: horrible implications right there.
0: So if you remember from the first movie, Biff has taken advantage of Marty's mom, and Marty's dad actually gains the courage and the strength to take out Biff and win. You know, Marty's mom, and they live happily ever after. In this game, you can flip over cards, change the events, and Biff ends up with Marty's mom and has a kid. And you could be that character in the game. So you could be the person to go back in time to make that event happen? <laughs> Yay? Question. <laughs>
4: Didn't that already happen in one of the movies where Biff ended up with his mom?
0: That's the second yes, movie, it's, yeah. It's, okay. So but this is but it's different because
3: Biff killed Marty's dad in that movie. It's heavily implied.
4: Oh, so in the I game, though, the, the guy was still alive. Yeah, the you
0: dad. you basically can be the offspring of Biff and Marty's mom, and not in a pleasant way. Yeah, <laughs> and you can you can actually go and make that happen because that was one of your win conditions, uh-huh. and. So it's horrifying. You don't get to play with the actual main characters of the game, which is boring.
1: Do you ever go back to the Wild West like in the other movie?
0: There is a couple of the earlier events where you can... So basically you're trying to undo... Some of the characters try to undo all the good stuff that happened in the movie, which seems kind of sad.
4: It almost sounds like Flux. Like you have a wind condition and certain Mm, cars... Yeah.
3: Chrononauts and Flux are kind... I mean, I think Chrononauts is a superior game because it's got less of that suddenly the rules change kind of thing.
0: But Carnot's is also better because not only do you have those certain conditions that you have to meet to win or lose the game, but you also have certain items you can collect. That you can collect to win.
1: How many victory points is a flux capacitor worth?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but this game, it doesn't play as good as Caronauts. It's not as good as Flux. You don't play the main characters. It's a, it's a bad like, e-
3: like Carnot's is a good engine for what it does, so they just did like a badly-tuned version of it with a different skin. Yeah, Carnot's
0: has a, a more historical feel, like you're actually changing time.
1: Do you think there's anything that can actually like save that game, or is it just there's really no point unless that's your favorite movie on Earth?
0: Exactly, I, I, unless it's your favorite game on Earth, and even if it is your favorite movie, I don't know if it saves it for you because you're not playing any of the main characters, and you're doing terrible things in order to make those things happen. And, it, and the other thing is, it ends really quickly.
1: I do like the doing terrible things part, though.
0: <laughs> you kind of got me hooked at that. <laughs> and the game, because I met my win conditions like the third turn, the other person met his win conditions the third turn, and we were just waiting to end the game.
1: I want a Transformers Chrononauts game. That would be awesome. You can go back and stop Optimus from being made from the Old Spark. <laughs>
2: what? I don't, yeah, you probably know. wouldn't play as them.
1: That's the problem. Yeah, but like think about it, you can go back and like replace Megatron with yourself. Starscream is the leader of the Decepticons now. That could be interesting.
2: So how would you rate Chrono Nuts normally and then obviously this is below that? I would burn this. Actually, I wouldn't. See, before I would burn it, I'd go back
1: in time and just stop them from making it. Stop them from making this game and then burn it. Do they have blank Chrono cards like they do for Flux and other games? I haven't mm, seen those. No. I don't, but. Put so. Whiteout on one and put down Stop the, <laughs> the Spin Off Back to the Future game from being made.
2: That would be hilarious. I, mean, I want to play that a lot. You're like, okay, bam, we're done. <laughs> This game doesn't exist. (laughs) And the movie
0: has a, you know, it could be a great game. They could make a great game from Back Mm. to the Future. But they just do.
3: Telltale Games did a great uh, adventure game series based off of it a few years back.
0: So avoid this game. No matter what it takes, go back into the past, go into the future. Just avoid, dodge, burn, whatever needs to happen. Because it's unfortunately a really big waste of your time.
3: So if you can, find the original Crononox and the two expansions with it.
0: Yeah, that's a better, a better choice if you like that type of big, involved, flux-like games.
2: Yeah. What else did we play this week? Dan, what did you play?
1: Um, we got a chance to play Arabian Nights, a.k.a. Misery Quest. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, it was that's, really fun. Is that part of the misery suite?
1: Yeah, like Arabian Nights, I got to say, it's one of the most wild games i played because when you break out Arabian Nights, it's not like any other board game you play because the board is the most minor part of the game, really. It's a gigantic storybook, so it's like, choose your own adventure, where 95% of the time, things end in tragedy. <laughs> you know, it'll be like, you see a pile of gold, what do you want to do? It's like, I'll take it. Oh, when you touch it, it bursts into flames, you're crippled. Okay, pass. I'm going to instead uh, send my like my henchman. Your henchman touches it, and it's corrupted by a demon. He turns and attacks you. You're crippled. Awesome. Great. <laughs> so I was never meant to be able to walk away from this, but it's really fun. Like You choose a couple of skills in the beginning. You're trying to like complete stories and quests. And um, you have to view it kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure in the world of a series of unfortunate events.
3: Well, you know the I've I've played it before, and I found it to be very interesting. One of the things I learned is you have to sort of think about how something like how uh, Thousand and One Nights was, and those stories are loaded with terrible people. So you come, oh, you come across the old beggar woman, you can. Beat her or help her. You go, oh, help her! Oh, she was a demon. She beats you. But if you beat her, it's like, oh, you savagely beat her and you get like ten dollars.
1: <laughs> oh, yay! But yeah, I mean it's. um... So it's not it's
3: not a game for good people.
1: Yeah, it's it's a long game. Like we were just playing a casual game where we said, all right, ten points, that's it. If you want to play the really full game, it is like Talisman time. Ooh.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, that it, it a... could be lengthy, because everything is a hindrance. You're lost. You only move one square turn. You're cr- you're cr- uh, one crippled. Square one square turn. square turn. You're in prison. You don't get to do anything except for beg for help. Like, there's a lot of adversity. But you, if you view it with that, you know, darker stream. All right. So Kim, you were in with us with uh, Raven Knights. How did you like?
4: I like it. Even though it's like a misery crest, I, I I love talisman. I like when bad stuff happens because that's in real life. You don't get everything you want. There's not a continuous of good stuff that happens.
1: Yeah, but in real life, I don't get assaulted every time I go to work. <laughs>
2: Technically,
4: you do. It was
2: a, that's, true, that's true. This was a different time, Dan. Yeah. People lived to 27. <laughs> they were lucky if they had all their fingers. Ifrit's okay. <laughs> roamed the desert. <laughs> this is a game I always wanted to try, and then I think after the first time you played it and described it, I was like, I don't know.
1: You do have to give it a go, man. It, it, it is pretty fun. I think you would enjoy it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I love the storytelling in games, so... Any game that can take like RPG elements and make that work, it's part of a board game. Yeah. I'm all about that.
1: One other game we did get to play though, and uh Chris made the greatest city ever in, is we did Suburbia because we finally got Suburbia In. Yes, that's After right. hundred and one years, it finally came out. <laughs> and um it was pretty cool. I would have liked a little more buildings. They very few new buildings. The main yeah. thing is the new borders.
2: Yeah. Borders are huge.
1: Which Chris instantly put to use. He built <laughs> two borders right in the beginning of the game. Didn't wait to see what anything was. <laughs> and my favorite was it was a radioactive field that you built. Yeah. All in all, like uh, I guess, say hey, the expansion—it's pretty nice. It adds, you know, borders—a cool deal. Um, the mid-game goals—one of them always increases income, and then the late-game goals are always going to increase your reputation.
2: Yeah. So adding it, more goals is always cool.
1: Yeah, and I do like the fact that in those mid-game goals and the end-game goals, everyone can score them. So yeah. like take, for example, one of them is like you know, a commercial state or whatever. Where if you have at least three commerce, you get plus three income. Everyone gets it. It's not the player with the most. Yeah. So that's a pretty fun add-on. Gives people a chance to catch up if they're falling a little behind. Gives you a little something else to do in the game. So I mean, I would definitely say you got Suburbia, pick it up. It's $30, bucks. can not go wrong.
2: Yeah, and I would say uh, be careful with the rules. We forgot to burn tiles. Yeah. um, Our scores got ridiculous.
1: Borders work the same as when you buy any of those base 3 buildings where you have to destroy a tile.
2: And there are a lot of borders, and we used them all because they were new. Yeah. So (laughs) the game went really long, and the scores were like, what did you end up, like 190?
1: Something crazy.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> he was he was pushing the edge with of the score more. Mushroom cloud city. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well the borders really offer a different look to the city. And I like that because when yeah. I started building a couple of tiles, I was like, yeah, I can use a border here, but you really the borders aren't the best things you could possibly get because while they offer a lot of benefits, they offer a lot of negatives too, because you're throwing down something that just like with any other tile Has a plus or negative? So once that tile's down there, that you know that border tile's out there. Where do you put your guys? Where do you put your tiles out there? So I literally had I had a lake on one side and a radioactive waste on another side, and I had a bunch of buildings go up the middle. Like this is not going to work at all. (laughs) I had
2: to move my city for you. I had to move. His was like all the way across the. Table at that point, you had, like two borders on either side, all the way out, and then you built your city at the end of that.
1: <laughs> And my favorite was in the beginning, we're like, Who would possibly live in that city? That thing is a disaster. And then he wins with 190. <laughs> Apparently, everybody. Okay. <laughs> it's a site, you know, you go see the sites, you know, the, the rare place where there's a beautiful lake that, you know. It's
3: like LA. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, beautiful mountains. Don't go over that mountain field because it's. <laughs> Deadly
1: radiation. (laughs) (laughs) Like the one thing I would love to see is, um, I was thinking about this, like with that Duke expansion where it's the blank tiles. Mm -hmm. I would love if they just put out a pack of like two blank borders, four blank A, B, and C tiles.
2: That would be pretty cool because it comes
1: default with a couple blanks, right? Yeah, those are mainly to like replace.
3: The base game had a few blank hexes, yeah.
1: So the base game comes with a couple of the blanks to replace if like something gets damaged or marked. But I would love to just make a few of your own.
0: Yeah, like white ones. You know, that'd be cool. I'd also like to see some maybe more fantasy elements. Maybe you had a tile was Area 51.
1: Yeah, that would be cool.
0: Or maybe castles or just, just stuff that's more of... The, the thing we talked about this earlier, more of the iconic monuments, but also some interesting tiles okay. that you can kind of throw around. I just got to
1: know, because when you said fantasy elements, instantly I was thinking to myself, oh my God, if there was like an Elven city. Sure. Like if they made... You could do anything, yeah. Like with invaders. Oh. Did you
2: do the campaign in the app yet? We got to get Where a you get to Essen? Yes. And they have all the Essen buildings? Yeah. And Germans? Like... Why not do something like that with yeah, other have- cities? You could have expansion packs that are like Paris, London, New York, mm-hmm. and then just have stuff from those cities.
1: Monuments. That would be cool. Just yeah. like um, civilization has, like when yeah. you build a special monument. You, know.
0: you could even do something like Stargate. You could One of the tiles could be a Stargate, and you can start a building on another area, which would be like another planet. All right, let's do it. All right, so I'm going to leave Million the Million dollar right- idea. Yeah, I'm
1: leaving the podcast right yeah. now to get a Kickstarter. You want to join? Yeah. Anyone
2: else in? <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah we're ripping off <laughs> suburbia. Let's do it. <laughs> right. maybe, maybe we shouldn't talk about this. We have so oh, many right. million-dollar ideas. Nobody has time to steal all these. No, I'm saying we don't want
3: to... We're going to steal this guy's idea. Oh, wait. We shouldn't have
2: admitted that. I know, that. Yeah. Welcome to America, baby. Okay. It's a board game. What are you going to do? So the reason we got to play Suburbia is because Kim had this epic talisman game going in the other room, and they ran out of seats. So and we, we, we made the Suburbia. correct decision. Wow. <laughs> no, no. Talisman's cool. But you guys... How many do you have? Like six, seven? Nine nine oh. people. And it, you finished the game. It right? plays
4: it plays six, but we, we did nine
3: because
4: why not? We we just had a lot of people and like when we play games we do like a lot of house rules. And I got a lot of expansions. So everyone was able to have characters and if they die they just pick new characters, so like nobody ran out of anything.
1: No, the only one you didn't use was the dragon expansion, right?
4: Yeah, they, they all looked at it and were like, ugh, because so you have to fight a dragon. But it looks so cool. I was going
1: to say, I think that's Kim's way of saying your gift was terrible, she didn't like it.
2: No. <laughs> no, I wanted to play it. All our friends said it was terrible.
4: I made them take a vote. I was like, do you want to play with the dragons? Or are you noobs? And they were noobs. <laughs>
2: you
1: should You have just been like, well, it looks like hey, I'm teaching the this, game. Or are you
2: all really lame?
1: <laughs> well, it looks like I'm teaching the game, so we're using dragons. Problem solved. Yeah. Like, that's right. how you do that.
4: Well, I think actually somebody said, let's be lame and not use the dragons. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Maybe <that> was Anthony. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Who
2: was that? I
1: don't know. As soon as he didn't see the dragon on the board, he's like, yo, can I play Suburban with you guys? Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, the fact that you he got almost the...
4: flipped the table. You had to hold <laughs> it <him down. laughs>
1: The fact that you actually got to end the game in, like...
4: At 4.30 a.m.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, it was still under six hours, which that's kind of, like, a miracle in and of itself. I want to play this. I haven't gotten a chance
0: to. You had, like, the table was surrounded, and Dan was like, suburbia expansion? I'm like...
1: Yeah! I know, it was hard.
2: Yeah, And, Chris, you pointed out that I sounded like I hated this game on the podcast <laughs> when we talked about it. <laughs> I don't. I actually like it a lot, but... um. It's one of those games you can have a bad experience with. And I was just really happy that the game ended with a slightly less bad experience so that I'll want to play again. But, yeah, we should get out again with the dragons, because otherwise, why are we playing?
0: We're
1: not noobs. We're not lame.
2: Yeah, we're not noobs. Seriously. We have a podcast. Yeah. Plus, plus the best thing
1: about Talisman is you can play that game endlessly and never use the same person twice. There's so many. More characters, more characters. Yeah, Yeah, By the way, Kim, what was that game that you mopped the floor with me in recently?
4: America.
2: Love the games, don't get when it though. You haven't won yet? <laughs> Not yet. I got well, lucky, though. Give it time. The games you like most, man, it takes you a while. Yeah. If you warm up to them. <laughs> I won, like, once. Yeah. Yeah, but
4: those yeah, are the games yeah. where if you lose, you still like it, so you'll still continue yeah. to play. Yeah.
2: Well, it's Summoner Wars, too, right? Like, the first, what did you say, eight?
4: The first four or five times I beat him. I beat yeah. him savagely.
2: To be fair, I had the exact same experience with Summoner Wars. But so. wait,
4: <laughs> and then he cheated... Because, wait. Because I attacked the wall. No, you didn't attack the wall. You stole my wall, so I couldn't summon anything.
2: For our longtime listeners, this is an ongoing was, conversation yeah, we've had. This is going to be in our wedding vows. <laughs> yeah, not attack my walls Remember either, when you right? cheated at Summoner Wars? I still love you.
1: <laughs> I just got to know, man. Like, Amerigo still one of my favorites, hands down. And uh, and I, I also got to just throw this one out there. Uh, recently, I heard that somebody said it's the worst game of the year. <sighs> Uh, to, you know, to quote Jamie on Secret Cabal, that's outrageous.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is outrageous. That, I thought it was a that joke. That is
1: absurd. It is.
2: No, I I've played it once and I loved it. Gaming credibility reduced to nil. I could see you not liking it and still being like, it's still a good game. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah, like the
1: worst like... of the year. That's yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm berserk, saying. Right? Like but I didn't man.
2: like Bruges very much, but I can look at that and see that's a good <laughs> game. I don't enjoy
1: it. Yeah.
3: I don't like. I really don't like Agricola. But I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, but it's worst solid. game ever. Yeah, it's, it's not your that's theme, a but it's good, solid. It just has a bunch of, you know, has a bunch of solid mechanics, and I just had negative experience. Because
4: people who like deck builders but hate Euros could be like, oh, yeah, Severia is a horrible game. Nobody should ever play it. But it's only because of their preference.
1: <laughs> oh, just go Do you, what would you say is the worst game of last year?
4: Uh, Gunner Gnomes.
2: Did that come out last
1: year? Even if it didn't, it's not. A, your answer it's should never be it. Amerigo. <laughs> Mike, what was the worst <laughs> game of last year? Uh, Augustus? Perfect. Chris, what was the worst game last year? <laughs> high <laughs> Command? <laughs> yeah, oh, Parade.
4: Yeah,
1: he did hate Parade. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised it wasn't oh, high, those, <laughs> high Command. Those are fighting words.
0: Yeah. It was
4: only because of coasters.
1: Because I remember he did not like High Command
0: either. High
4: Command
1: was just...
0: There's, better, there's better High Command-like games. Yeah. It was just... I'd rather play uh, Smash Up or a couple of others <laughs> that use the same mechanics. <laughs> but, you know. What, what do
1: you mean? Worst game of the year? garden. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, the answer is not Amerigo.
2: No, it's not Amerigo.
1: Like no masquerade. Well, this is That's crazy. crazy. <laughs> this is absolutely nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs>
2: All right. so we like Amerigo. We reviewed it before. You can listen to that review on our earlier episode. Um, we're not going to talk about it again because we obviously love it. And now for the feature review. this week's feature review is Robinson Crusoe Adventures on the Cursed Island, arguably one of the hottest games available right now. Uh, This game was originally released in 2012, but it has been out of print periodically off and on throughout much of 2013. Just recently could you even find a copy online, and it's still pretty hard to find. Um, We got lucky enough to get a copy from our best bud Brian, who supplies us with many of our review games. And we finally got it to the table. We've played through it. Um, I've read through the rules and watched a couple videos multiple times just to make sure we had it nailed. And uh, this is our full review of the game. Um, Arguably, I think, one of the better co-op games we've played in a long time. The goal of Robinson Crusoe is basically to survive. Now, the game is different from a lot of other co-ops because you have a scenario which will change a lot of the win conditions of the game. The lose conditions are pretty simple. If anybody on your team dies, you lose. And if you don't complete the win condition within however many rounds the game gives you, you lose. So let's just run through the basic mechanics of this game because when you first open it up, it looks very intimidating. In fact, the rule book um, gave me a headache for a good two weeks. I read through it once, I read through it most of it again. Um, And then I turned to videos, and finally we just played it and referenced the rulebook to make sure we had everything right. It's not necessarily a complicated game. There's just a lot of things going on. Um, The pieces are very abstract, so sometimes those things are not immediately clear. And you're going to be referencing the book a lot. In terms of complexity, I've played a lot more complex games than Robinson Crusoe, but it can look overwhelming at first. Now, for the game itself, the... Basic idea is that you and however many people you're playing with, and you can play two, three, or four, need to get food to survive on this island. You need to uh, gather whatever resources you need for your wind condition, and you need to survive when there are um, storms, when it's raining, um, when basically whenever anything bad happens on the island, and something bad is going to happen all the time. Almost every single time anybody does anything, something bad happens. So on the board, there are multiple spaces. The actual exploration of the map is going to take place on a modular board, and you're going to shuffle out a number of hex tiles that are face down. And as you explore later in the game, they're going to flip over so you can see what they are. There are cards all over the board as well. Um, There's invention cards, which you will build throughout the game, and these will give you additional abilities. Um, or just make things a little bit easier in certain ways. There are action spaces at the bottom of the board, and these will correspond to where you decide to take your action as a character. Each character has two actions they can take per round. These will determine what you're able to do that round, but also the probability that you succeed at what you do. Um, So the more players you have, the more actions you have, but of course it's harder to do certain things with more players because you need more resources. And you need more food because everybody has to eat at the end of every day. There are also a couple of NPCs, basically. Um, If you play with two players, you get Friday. If you play with three, you get the dog. And these just give you a little bit of extra boost to make up for the fact you have fewer players and fewer actions. So the game is going to break down over the course of about seven rounds, or seven phases. The very first phase is the event phase. And the event phase is when you're going to draw a card from the event stack... And you're going to resolve it. Um, Each of these events will do something different to the game. Some of them are very simple. They allow you to buy more resources. Um, Maybe they add a weather die. Maybe they affect what resources are available to you. Um, Sometimes they'll block off a certain tile that won't let you scavenge from there anymore. There's a lot of different things that the event cards will do, but the really interesting part with the event deck will come up later when we get to some of the plan actions you can take. The And when you start the game, there will be a default uh, event card out that lets you buy food. So basically you don't start behind the eight ball in the first round. The second phase is morale. Throughout the game there'll be a morale track. Now the morale track starts at zero and it can go positive or it can go negative. The reason this matters is because when it's positive, whoever the first player is, and there will be a first player every round, then um, it rotates, will get determination markers based on where the morale track is. So if you're at zero, they get zero. If they're at two, they get two, and so on. These determination markers let you perform special abilities that only your character has. Uh, Some of them are pretty good. I mean, the cook, for example, can um, convert food into medicine or can make a certain amount of food feed more people, which will come in handy later. Um, The exploration Um, abilities, allowing you to explore more easily. Um, The builder can build things a little easier. There are certain little bonuses, and like any co-op game, it basically makes it so certain um, characters need to be taken care of more than others, depending on what time in the game it is, to make sure you get those abilities and that they have the determination points needed to use them. Uh, Almost everything in the game is shared, except for determination points, so it's actually going to be very important where that track is on each person's turn. And there are other ways to get determination points as well. Uh, For example, if you fail a roll, there's usually when you fail the roll, you get determination points instead. So you're never completely out of luck. Now the morale track is gonna adjust um, based on a number of things throughout the game. And the reason it matters if it's negative is A, if it's negative, you lose determination points. But B, if it's negative and you don't have determination points to lose, you're going to take damage. Uh, damage is not easy to heal. You only have so many points of it to start with. And again, if someone dies, the game is over. So it's very important that everybody keeps a close eye on their damage track at all times because something can swing really quickly, especially with that determination track, if it gets to negative three. Okay, so this third phase is production. And this basically lets you gather resources based on where your camp is located. So every tile on the map has two or three little markers on it that tell you what you get from there. So there'll be food markers, there'll be wood markers, there'll be fur, there are um, hunt cards. And these just allow you to, to get something every round, even if you don't produce later. And um, it's basically a way to make sure you don't run out of completely everything. So you'll start every round with at least one food, for example, if your camp has a fish or a parrot on it. Phase four is where a lot of things happen, um, or at least where you plan out a lot of what you're gonna do. This is the plan action phase. And the plan action phase lets you place your pawns um, on any of the action spaces. So you can choose to use the threat action, which is whatever's on the event card. And there usually be a threat action at the bottom of it, and it tells you what you can do if you put your pawn on that card. There is hunting. Uh, which allows you to go after whatever beast card is on the hunting space. Um, This is interesting, too, because you have to actually move a card from the beast deck to the hunt space, which requires other actions as well. Then there are the three major actions, building, gathering, and exploration. Uh, Building lets you build one of the inventions. Gathering lets you go to another space on your explored map and gather resources like you did during production and exploration lets you flip over a new tile Um, every time you flip over a tile there are little bonuses on that as well then there is the arrange camp or rest action Uh, arrange camp is going to basically let you boost morale or gain determination markers and rest just lets you heal now the interesting thing about actions is that you are only going to get the benefit guaranteed if you place two pawns on that space. So if you only put one down on exploration you're gonna have to roll the dice. And the dice vary per action, but one of them will determine if you succeed or fail, the next one will determine if you get injured, and the third one will determine if you draw a card. Um, These are all separate. So you can succeed and still get injured. You can fail and not get injured. And drawing a card, again, independent of those two things. So if you are not willing to put out two um, of your pawns on a specific action, you are rolling the dice a little bit. Now, each of these actions, there's a different probability that you'll succeed. Most of them, it's more likely than not that you will. But there's always the chance you fail and the chance you take damage, which is a big deal. And those cards are not necessarily a good thing. So it's important that you measure that out. If you put two pawns on any space, you automatically pass. But then you've used a pawn that could have gone somewhere else to guarantee that action, and you have less actions elsewhere. And as you get further in the game, you'll see how big of a deal this is, because let's say you need food um, and you use up two actions on exploration and you don't get any food when you flip that exploration tile. You're probably not going to have enough food at the end of the round. And that's a big deal. Okay, so after you've placed everything out, you're going to resolve. Uh, You go through in order, you do the threat action first, then the hunting, then the building, then the gathering, then the exploration, and anything else you have out there. Um, You roll the dice if necessary, you draw whatever card it is, you resolve that card, then you move to the next action. For hunting, it's a little unique because you need two people to go hunting. You can't go with just one. We actually made a mistake when we played the first time where we let just one person go hunting. Probably made the game a little easier. It's very important that you put two out there. But you get a lot of food usually when you're hunting, so it's an important. It helps to balance the game a little bit. Okay, after you've done all that, you're going to go to the weather phase. Now, the weather phase, um, usually early in the game, there is no weather. It's supposed to simulate summer. It's pretty nice out. But as the game gets on, it's going to get a little harder. These weather dice come out. Um, there are cards that are going to put weather tokens in the weather section, and these will just make it so you have to roll extra dice. Uh, there, once you get to certain rounds of the game, however you're going to have to roll dice almost every time. Um, And this is going to matter because if it rains, for example, and you don't have a roof, that's going to cause damage. If it snows and you don't have a roof, more damage. If If it's a storm and you don't have palisades up, even more damage. And every time any of these happens and you aren't protected from it, you lose wood and food along with the damage. So it can actually start to stack up really fast. You might think you're okay, and in the course of a single round take a tremendous amount of damage. Someone might even die that quickly. So it's important that you're always protected. Finally, there's nighttime, and this is when you feed your people. So you need to discard one food per player. Um, If you don't have that food, somebody needs to take two wounds. So you're just going to say you have four players and you only have three food. One person chooses not to eat, and they take two wounds. Um, So you can decide who is going to be affected by that but it's important that most of the time you just want to make sure you have enough food. The thing about food too is that it does spoil unless you have certain things. Um, So if you don't have uh, some method of keeping your food or if you don't have preserved food, the food will go bad and you might overproduce one round and not have enough the next. Finally, if you don't have any shelter, you're gonna take another damage per person and you'll get rid of all that food because it is the end of the round. Um, And that is it. That is a full round of Robinson Crusoe. Now, the reason that this game seems so complicated is because there are so many options and so many tokens. There are different wood cubes, plastic cubes, markers for different spaces. There are different things that affect the morale. There are different event cards. Um, When you pull a card from any of the action spaces, let's say you explore with only one pawn, and the dice roll says you have to draw a card. That card, if you decide to resolve the top action, um, and a lot of times you'll have an option, the card's going to go into the event deck. And when it comes back out of the event deck, it's probably going to do something bad to you. Uh, For example, one of the cards we had let us take two wood right away because we found bamboo on the island. But when the card came back out of the event deck, our roof broke because bamboo is not a very good wood and it's pretty weak. So the thematic... Uh, string there basically is that hey we found some free wood that's awesome if we take it however it's going to break because it's not very good Um, and that's part of the charm of the game is that every decision you make eventually comes back in some way so it's not you're not just constantly making decisions like oh we're going to this step closer to this or this step closer to that you're going to see the results of those decisions constantly as the game evolves now there's a lot more going on here There are some other mechanics that aren't in the very first scenario you play. Each scenario twists things up a little bit. Um, Some of the tokens do things that only happen in that scenario. Um, There's different ways to play based on how many players you have. Some of the cards will change depending on the layout and scenario of the game. So it's a game that's never quite the same. Um, You could play it four times, play different scenarios every time, and still be reading the book by the end of the fourth time. But that's part of the joy of this game. It's so much fun as a co-op because it really puts you into those shoes of a castaway trying to survive, trying to get off that island. And it's definitely, in my opinion at least, one of the better co-ops to have come out in the last few years. All right, so that is the gist of Robinson Crusoe, Adventures on a Cursed Island. Let's hear what everybody else has to think. All right, so what does everybody think of Robinson Crusoe?
1: I thought the game was pretty awesome, man. It was nice to have a co-op not... The usual like pandemic style where someone can alpha the game because you need to do everything it's just a question as to which is going to be the most dire consequences first you know like do you want to take on the threat of that weather do you want to try to you know do you are you afraid of letting somebody starve out like it's pretty fun you know everything is important so no one can just be like you're doing this you're doing this and you're doing this
2: yeah Yeah, it was funny, too, because at first we thought it was a little easy. I mean, it ended up being a little easy. We beat it, but it was, like, the practice scenario with two of the mechanics turned off. Um, So in the end, it was... We beat it. Probably would have been fine at any point. Like, there was no point we were, like, close to dying. But we were, like... I would say it's just like, a 60% win. It's not like we dominated it. It's like when you beat Pandemic and you beat on the last card, you know?
4: Do they have any other animals to eat besides Gorilla? Yeah, it's
2: like you
1: eat a zoo. Apparently this island has is one of everything. Like, this is where Noah's Ark crashed, and you are just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's not an island, it's a zoo. <laughs> yeah. Like, Chris at one point was like, I'm going out hunting. We had gator burgers that night. I'm like, oh, let's go look over here. Free birds! Like, <laughs> yeah,
2: The uh, by default, like any of the tiles where you can pick up food, it's like parrots or fish for some mm-hmm. reason. And then if you go hunting, it's a gorilla.
1: No, so. <laughs> Real quick, to be fair, though, one thing with when we said, um, you know, like, we did pretty well. To be fair, we did play our first, like, four turns wrong because we were only using one person when going hunting. That's
2: true. So that was, we kind of got
1: a few free actions, technically. Yeah.
2: Because yeah, towards the end, when people started taking a lot more damage, we were spending a lot more of our actions healing and resting and getting the stuff we needed to actually survive. Uh, early in the game, we're just like, yeah, let's kill everything.
1: <laughs> the one thing, too, is... um you mentioned in the walkthrough about like those cards that you take the choice, and then if you take, you know, you decide to take the boon, then it goes in that deck. Those cards also chain together because it's draw another card, draw another card. So at one point, we had like seven bad things happen to us in a row.
2: Yeah. Good that point. was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> that like, could start to add up pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's like, oh, it's okay, we lost the food. Oh, and, and it would oh and I got hurt. Oh, and, and Chris lost an action and oh, and now our roof is caving in and
2: <laughs> Yeah. I think one point in our game we actually lost all the inventions for a round. Yeah, yeah, the hurricane. Yes. That was a rough round. That was. Like if that had happened earlier it would have been really rough. Okay. Sure. So but we were already had pretty much all the wood we needed.
0: And I think so. there was later on where it added. Was it the weather?
1: the snow, the winter kind of died? Yeah, the, the winter came
0: to yeah. the bad, yeah. and stuff like that. Which and we even were already work. in there, so it wasn't really that dramatic of a change. Yeah,
1: I do think it was funny though when, um, like, we lost all the items. It's like, oh, cool. I'm gonna go check the pits for food. We don't have the pits. Oh, okay, well, I'm gonna go hunting. We don't have a weapon. I guess I'm just gonna scavenge then. <laughs> it kind of made our decisions <laughs> for us. I'm
2: kind of really hungry right now. <laughs> yeah, the mechanics are kind of cool how they work together, and I'll admit uh when brian gave us this game i read the book twice then i watched a video on youtube and then we played through it while i was reading the book checking things so the instructions are not fantastic
1: yeah i, I think it's the case of like if you play the game twice you're going to be checking the book constantly and then after that you'll just you'll consult just the adventure board
2: yeah because you look at everything and there's so much spread out on this board it doesn't really look like it blends together but it really does really well like once you start playing everything kind of affects everything else it all makes sense eventually so once it makes sense it's easier to remember the rules it's the problem is when you look at it on paper it doesn't and one of the challenges
0: the game is is trying to set up for multiple scenarios so it needs to be very general so when you're looking at the board and you're looking at the tokens you're like this doesn't really sh- sh- look like something that would relate to that but it has to be that way in order for you to use a different scenario but use the same tokens
1: yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing like the iconography because in one like uh, when you found like I think it was like a bonus wood or something it just looks like a red X and yeah. you're like well that's weird but then we found out there was, like, there's like five or six chips that in every adventure they mean something different so it's like there'll be one that has a line through it, and one that looks like uh, like a blood stain or something. So like in this adventure, it might be that, um, you know, you can take one wound less when hunting. But in this adventure, it means uh, you can go like one further out when you're traveling or something. So it's the same token, but it's seven different things based on the scenario. Sure.
2: What yeah.
4: scenario did you guys
2: play? We just played the first one, the uh, castaways. And it's, yeah. it's kind of like the welcome-to-the-game version where you're not going to get destroyed.
4: Like in the Cannibal Island? Yeah,
2: right? <laughs> yeah. So the game comes with six, I think, and some of these look brutal.
1: And that's one thing I kind of like, the fact that this game can be ripe for expansion. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm just waiting to the point where people start releasing on, you know, like, Board Game Geek, like, PDFs of their own adventure ideas.
2: Yeah, I actually want to check that and see if they have them. Because you can go on Board Game Geek and download, like, the King Kong one. Oh, really? Yeah, that's which pretty I think, cool. I think Brian just ripped it out of a magazine because it's in the box. But okay. it's, it's, you can get a PDF off there, too, because it was just a free thing that they put out. Um, so you can get seven right now. Why not? You can write a dozen of these things.
0: I think what's really surprising to me is when you play these co-op games, they're usually pretty generic. And everyone has a little bit difference to their character or maybe you can go to a different section. But this game really is heavily thematic. The pieces, the boards, the tiles, the inventions... The graphic design, the um, the artwork, it really kind of gives you that feel that you are an island and you don't have a lot of resources. And when you actually get to pick up those inventions and build them, you actually feel like you accomplished something and you can actually add to the, the adventure a little bit.
2: Yeah, and there's nothing at any point that feels like – there's going to be times when you're like, you have to go get food. You know, we need food to survive. But it's nothing like this is how the game's going to go for four rounds because this is where we're at in the game. You're kind of creating your own story, and that's going to impact how, what decisions you make. It's kind of cool. Um, you don't really see it at first, but as you play through it, as those cards start coming back out of the event deck, as you flip the tiles over when you're exploring, you really get that feel of like you're on an island, you're and trying to figure out what's going on.
1: That's what I like, too. Just even if you play the same scenario, the modular board concept makes it where you can automatically map out. Like um, When you start playing Pandemic or Flashpoint, You kind of always know your beginning game. You're always going to do the exact same type of things because, like, you're that role, that's what you should be doing, and you're going to just, until the game starts Out the randomness, this game, the first title you step foot on, you don't know what it's going to be. That's a kind of fun element.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I think it's going to make, like, replayability, like, there's never going to be an issue with this. The game's a little long, I think. I mean, we played, it was the first game, so it took a while to get going, but it took us, like, three hours I, I think you're looking at like two hours a game easily on this, yeah. um, and so if you if you want a quicker co-op, this isn't going to be it. But in terms of like, just raw theme and infusion of the story elements, this is one of the better co-ops out there. Yeah,
1: Cam, I think you would like it a lot too. We got to get you in for a game because uh, I know you like you know your flashpoint and the team games, but this one it's really fun because you you can play the same game with the same people, but you're doing a whole bunch of different things instead of let's just get these people out of this fire. Let's just do this like you know some scenarios like you know like the cannibal islands you have to actually run around burning down their huts
2: yeah you know
4: <laughs> I, I do want to try the cannibal island but i want to try with the first one though the first scenario
2: yeah just to get the because... be good yeah because i think there's two yeah. two major mechanics they dump in the first one
1: yeah it's like the um the only thing i know so it's like a lot of like ally games it's usually like the more players um the game is either like kind of scales or like sometimes gets harder. Like, in Legendary, you know, you're going less often between the enemy popping up and everything. So, I feel like Legendary 5 players, you get your teeth kicked down your throat. Play Legendary 2 players, you usually end up actually stomping the guy. Mm. Because you're you're reshuffling your decks faster. This game, it really did feel like an island. Because if you were playing 2 players, those, you know, the bad things are happening just as quick. Because it happens at the end of a full player turn. Yeah. So, you're only getting, like, you know, like, 5 or whatever actions in a 2 player... You know, even though you need less food and less resources, like to build those huts, it could be really bad. But with the five of us on the island, I felt like we actually had a chance to survival because we were going as teams to
2: things. Yeah, definitely. And the game yeah. scales really well. So the number of things you need to build roof or to put out, you know, your uh, palisades, are less if you have less people. Plus, you get Friday if you're playing two players, and yeah. you get the dog if you're playing three players. So it all scales out pretty easily. Yeah. Okay. And it's kind of cool, like, if one person dies, the game's over. So it's not like you can sacrifice a player. Like, no, we're going to make it. I'm going to make it. <laughs> I'm just picturing, like,
1: a boat finds five people that were shipped on to an island for ten months. Like, oh, my God, you know, there's survivors. And somebody's like, yeah, I made the roofs. I made the most roofs. <laughs> I did more hunting than him. I kept us alive longer. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> we have 12 points. He yeah, has seven.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I know, like, the one thing we talked about that we were not 100% on was the components um, you look at the components they're very abstract
1: yeah I mean like I would have loved if I mean because even from the Kickstarter if they gave you like the uh, the wood from um, Caverna and Agricola for the wood in the game yeah, or like you know like little plates for food just like a little something more than just cubes
2: yeah and I mean you, you know you go online and buy your own yeah. meeples and replace everything but it is, it is everything's a cube and there's like 10 different colors so even when you're like splitting them up and you're trying to remember which color goes with which cube yeah we didn't
1: bother to like try to plan on this or anything. we just had everything poured on the table because you're yeah. digging through every time because like yeah. also when you're drawing the cards it's just like oh and you get this it's
2: what do y'all think overall though in terms of rating
1: yeah i mean it's definitely very cool and anything um like when i was looking on our prices i noticed online you can't it's almost like the caverna deal you can't get it more than 10 percent off yeah so it's still over 70 i would like a little more on the components or even if they noted, like, um, you know, like a guarantee, like, hey, every two months we're going to release a new scenario-, scenario as a PDF. Just like okay. a little something else. Because it is a, a bit of a slightly pricey tag. But I mean, it is a very fun game. Like, this is something I wouldn't mind having in the, the group for us to play. But I wouldn't have to, like, run out and get it on my own.
2: Yeah. Like, if one person had it, I'd be happy.
1: Yeah. Like, I would gladly chip in, like, 15 bucks towards it. But.
4: The, I was looking at the resource cubes. Is it their cubes? Because the people who made Caverna and Agricola basically copyrighted those food-shaped meeples, or like anybody can have those meeples. No, there,
1: there's like meeple sources online. Like I think like meeplesource dot and a few others where you can. People like make them on their own too.
2: Yeah, I mean, if, yeah. if you bought this and wanted to go out and replace all the meeples, you could. But if that's another twenty bucks on top of an eighty dollar game. Well, yeah. I'm
4: just saying the reason why they didn't do that. no, it's not because
0: like a, not like a copyright saving money. You know. I'm guessing that like I said I think some of the scenarios might we haven't gotten to all the scenarios but some of the scenarios might like hey this is a a food cube but in this scenario it's plague or something else it could be something completely different so
1: they might have had to add a lot more components to kind of fit that. but I just want a scenario sure. where you're playing Cabin Islands, If you're, like, low on food, you can just eat the cannibals. Then you become them. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And now that it's like the the table gets split, it's like half the table playing against the other table. That's how you get your trainer mechanic.
2: Should
0: <laughs> sure, be like a D20 uh, insanity roll.
2: <laughs> so this game is now Battlestar and Cthulhu.
1: <laughs> well, you run on an island for quite some time, you know. So I will say right now, if they ever release a scenario where someone's a Cylon, like, you know, you're on Caprica and, like, you know, like, surviving after the nukes. I'd buy this game in a heartbeat. I would pay the full 80. Because that yeah, would be would. an awesome scenario. Yeah.
2: It'd be pretty cool. They're like, why is it, uh, why are all these inventions, like, shovels and stuff? Just go with it, man. Yeah. Just go with it. Yeah, it's like a laser
0: spade. And... Yeah. <laughs> so this game is a, it's a play for me. And I think, like everybody else said... If somebody in your group has this, thank them very much for going through the book so extensively like Anthony did because I think you need a really good friend to chug through that and then go through the components and try to set up these scenarios. It's not an easy task, and it's not for your new new co-op player kind of jumping into this because it, there is a lot of blank generic components and pieces and scenarios that you have to set up just right in order to play. And I think that's like when we started playing for the first couple of rounds. There are things that you could easily miss out on. So play it if you can, if somebody has it, but I would avoid it, especially now with this price tag. I think it's a little high for the components, but um, still a great game and really something you should try if, if you have, like, a senior player who's actually played through the different scenarios and can actually kind of, like, um, GM the game a little bit.
4: I definitely want to try this out. I'm not going to read it because I don't, I don't know how the gameplay is. From what I saw, it looks interesting... But I noticed that when I rate games before I play them, it's kind of bad because I'll be like, "Ah, that game's not that good," and then I'll play it. I was like, "I love this game," so (laughs) I'm I'm not gonna rate it yet. I want to try it out first and see how it goes. It it could be a buy, but also your wallet too. You have to take in consideration. You might
1: want to get get five survivors to each chip in like twenty bucks. Yeah, right. (laughs) So
2: I would say if it was sixty bucks, it'd be a buy for me. I think it's really good. Uh, it's probably the best co-op I've played in terms of just overall theme. Felt really into it. Like, most co-op games, I get kind of bored halfway through. Like, you want to beat it, but if, if it doesn't look like you're going to, you're just like, eh. Or if it looks like you're going to, you're like, okay, so this game's already over.
0: We yeah. won. It's, it's nice to have those dice mechanics in the game, too. So, like, you and I can both go on a mission to, to ensure it succeeds, or roll a die and see if you're going to accomplish the task. And it's not just accomplishing. It's accomplish the task, um, lose health, and then what was the other one? They get to receive a card. A card, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of possibilities,
2: not just success or failure, which was nice. And the card's almost never good, despite what George kept thinking. <laughs> he kept getting excited. Woo, I get a card. George, bad. Well, cards, well, cards are bad.
1: <laughs> I still don't remember my favorite was in the very beginning, that first card uh, with you, Chris, when you're like, why wouldn't we want the wood? And then that was the first oh, of the so seven-card chain of bad things that happened. Well,
0: that's the bamboo, right? Yeah. yeah, and then it broke, yeah.
1: Because yeah. what I love is like that every time you take those bad cards, you're shuffling it into that deck. So you're like, oh, there's only one. Ah, oh, there's only two. Ah, oh, there's only ten.
2: <laughs> but they can all be in a row because you're be reshuffling every time. Yeah, yeah. so for me it's a buy, but the price kind of knocks it down to a play. I'm not personally going to buy it. If I ever saw this, you know, if say they started printing more copies than they have, which is... I don't know if that's going to happen because nobody can find it. Um, but if they say they do, and it, you know, cool stuff gets it for sixty bucks, I'd pick it up. Yeah. All right.
1: I'm just I'm glad that Brian, the backer, got it. So this way we can still get access to it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's in the store, so we're gonna play it. Our meeple backer did quite well for us this yeah. time. <laughs> All right. So that is Robinson Crusoe: Adventures on the Cursed Island, one of the better co-op games I've played in a long time. Definitely. All right. So that's everything for this week. Um, next week. Well, I guess two weeks from now, we will be covering Caverna, which Chris has got. He's actually got it in front of him right now. He's putting it in the play boxes (laughs) so he can actually put it back in the box. That's true. But that is everything for this time around. Um, This is Anthony. This is Dan. This is Kim. And this is Chris. And until next time,
0: we'll save you a seat at the table.
2: All right. So in Caverna... That box is literally the biggest box I've ever seen for a game. It's huge. Yeah.
0: And once you open it, you can't put it back without massive reconstruction. How much does that weigh? Forty-seven pounds. Forty-seven. I think it weighs more than 10. Yeah. yeah. It's really got a lot of weight.
1: It's pretty much true. All right. So here's what we're gonna do. Let me see what's gonna go faster. Him punching out the chits for that game, or us sitting next round extra Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> yeah. Right. If <laughs> yes, we go Robinson Crusoe, I'd like to play.